1: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. Really? What are you waiting for?
2: Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb.
3: And I'm Ariel.
2: <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is was this an early influence on you, Mermaid Wise? Ariel the Mermaid from Little Mermaid? The Little Mermaid? Yeah, yeah
3: actually from the Hans Christian Anderson oh, the original that's right. tale. Oh yes.
2: you were of course you were you were old school reading the book as a kid and then,
3: well, yeah, and then because when every the movie parent came out you were
2: harping on it and being like, wow, well, it's not very true to the original Hans Christian Andersen." Yeah,
3: I'm like there's none of the gore and the, the awfulness.
2: Was Ursula in it? The Sea Witch? She was always my favorite.
3: I think she was. What I remember the most is that um, the the mermaid, whenever she tried to uh, walk on her her legs, mm-hmm. her newly formed legs, it would feel like daggers. Each step would feel like a dagger. Oh, that yeah. really stuck with me.
2: Yeah, that, they didn't quite capture that in the uh, the actual animated film. My uh, I have two sisters, uh, two younger sisters. So growing up, they were really into Little Mermaid, and they were also really into the movie Splash with old oh. oh, Hannah. Yeah, yeah. Um, they loved Splash. Like Splash, Splash must have been uh, on our TV like every day for like a year. There was a, a lot of Splash uh, going on because that features a mermaid and was right up their alley. And then there were the mermaid Barbies were everywhere. They were always hanging out like wet-haired by the bathtub. So, I mean, and and the thing is that the mermaid uh, myth, when you really look into it, I mean, it's it's old. It's fascinating. It's been around forever and, and continues. Um to fascinate modern audiences in new ways.
3: Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's one of those things that has captured our imaginations through folklore, and you know, there's probably a little tiny part in, in all of us that wish that mermaids were, were an actual thing.
2: Yeah. So, so why are we talking about merfolk, right? Well, we recently did an episode about the centaur, um, in which we we looked a you know a little bit at the folk uh, tales that that gave us the centaur, and and talked a little bit about where these ideas come from. You know, why do why do, why do we as humans decide that we need to think about half humans, half horses? And then we looked at some fascinating uh, stuff—some uh, basically comparative anatomy, which uh, in which a German anatomist said, "Well, let's see if they're centaurs. Obviously, are, don't exist, but uh, if they did, how might it work?" Mm-hmm. And it serves as an interesting thought experiment into into how uh, animals actually work on an uh, anatomical level. It's so, something
3: called speculative biology.
2: Speculative biology, yeah. So, uh, right after we did the Centaur, we had uh, a listener uh, write in. Uh, the name was Danielle.
3: Uh, Danielle. Danielle. Yeah, yeah. She said, hey, please, please cover merfolk. Yeah. I actually, I think she called them merfolk. Merfolk. Specifically.
2: And and at the time, we're like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe we'll do merfolk at some point. Uh, we weren't in a particular hurry. But then Animal Planet did this, uh, uh, and, and Animal Planet, of course, is part of Discovery, our, our, our parent company. They did this uh, this show about merpeople, and it was a, a huge hit. And I, my sister is like texting me at night, saying, "What's the deal with this mermaid show? Is this uh, is this legit?" And uh, and so we we're like, well, okay, we we probably should go ahead and do a merfolk. Yeah,
3: kind of because it's a what if proposition. This right. this um, this show it's called Mermaids: The Body Found. Now it's it's um, presented in a documentary style fashion, uh, which you know some people weren't crazy about. But to be fair, um, Animal Planet did say that this was uh, a bit of science fiction that was, you know based on some scientific theories. So we wanted to take the premise of this show and, and start to tease apart some of the things they talk about because it's really interesting how they strung this together. Uh, basically, the setup is that it's 2004 and whales are washing up from illegal deep water sonar okay. emanating from U.S. Navy experiments. Because,
2: again, uh, whales and, and dolphins, uh, they use uh, echolocation. Mm-hmm. Sound is a very important uh, aspect of the way they navigate, the way they communicate, and... Um, uh, we've talked about this in the past. And we've talked about whales and dolphins, and uh, and also about underwater sound.
3: Yeah, and so in this fictional account, what they're what they're saying is that you know the Navy is trying to cover up something. Um, uh, officials are coming out in hazmat suits, uh, looking at these beached whales, and and pulling in specimens and taking them away. Um, and then the remains of of a mysterious creature is discovered. Uh, so then the the plot line starts talking about. Uh, this this fringe hypothesis called the aquatic ape hypothesis, uh, which we'll get into.
2: And, and some people actually uh, insist that it be called the the, the aquatic ape theory, uh, citing uh, that the uh, that it's not a true scientific hypothesis. But. That's kind of splitting hairs. Well, uh, some
3: people say it's not a theory, it's a hypothesis. Yeah. Or it's just an idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we could probably leave it at that. Uh, but then they also go into not only this aquatic ape idea, but these unidentified sound profiles from the ocean,
2: mm-hmm. which yes, we've talked like about bloop.
3: before, like the bloop. And then in the in the plot of this show, the mysterious body is autopsied. And lo and behold, they find pelvic bones.
2: Or necropsied, actually. Ha. Uh, or, wait, or maybe it was kind of half autopsy if it's half human.
3: <laughs> exactly, yeah. the the torso. Um, so the pelvic bones are found and hands are discovered. And so then it becomes this question as well as the Navy trying to, to cover up the fact that they were using this illo- illegal sonar system or that there's a, a creature that uh, we, or a new species uh, that we just don't know about. Hmm. So using that as our backdrop today, we thought, well, why not talk about um, you know this this idea of these strange noises in the ocean, or the aquatic ape theory, or even the uh, mermaid relics of yore.
4: Yeah,
2: so let's start with the mermaid relics of yore because um, that's the part I really enjoy. I mean, I, I love the uh, I love the, the the ape hypothesis as well, but uh, I think it's important to sort of take a, a step back and look at the the mermaid myth and you know, where it comes from and, uh, and some of the, the, the more interesting uh, variations on it. Um, we can't put an actual date on the mermaid because mm-hmm. the mermaid is one of those, those stories that has existed since time out of mind. As long as humans have lived near the sea and struggled really hard to live um, with the sea, uh, to go out and, uh, and harvest its riches, we've, we've dreamed of people and, or quasi-people who can do it naturally, that live in the ocean. And, uh, and, and we've, we've speculated about the mysteries that this would entail. Um, you see a lot of mermaids in, in, uh, uh, in Scottish, Welsh, and Irish tales. In, uh, in the Scottish and Welsh tales particularly, um, you might rescue a mermaid, and the mermaid would share uh, the secrets of various uh, herbal cures with mm-hmm. humans. Okay. And then sometimes they would marry humans. Uh, but uh, the web-footed offspring would invariably return to the ocean, and, if, and you see, this is a common theme too. Because uh, you know, you have some lonely men out there catching fish, and the, their minds may start to wander, and they might think, "Wow, you know, what if I met somebody out here? The chances are slim, <laughs> and she might be part fish. But maybe I can find true love if not on land, then at sea." Uh huh. Um, they
3: didn't have mermaidmatch.com back then.
2: No, not yet, not then. Yeah. But, but hopefully, especially with this series being successful, yeah. we can start hooking people up with mermaids and merfolk uh, and mermin. Uh, during uh, medieval times, the mermaid was considered to be an agent of the devil and a symbol of deceit and get this uh, the the way this would work. Often you'd see this in you know carvings, so uh, often in you know, church related stuff. Um, uh, where you would see the mermaid holding a fish, and the fish symbolizes the entrapment of the Christian soul that was drawn to sin. And of course, the mermaid is very sinful because she's not wearing a top and all that. She represents lust and attractiveness and, and grandeur and riches. She's
3: Not wearing a shell bra? Um,
2: no, not not in these uh, these early early phase. It wasn't until later till they uh, became tool users, I guess, right? Right. Um, later, you see mermaids showing up in, in coat of arms as well. Uh, mermen, for the most part, when they're depicted, they're they're, they're generally seen as more aggressive. Uh, they're also like the the mermaids, you know, fish lower half humans upper half but they have a propensity to be uglier uh up at the up at the top uh and they're also big into like some sum- summoning storms pulling sailors uh, out of ships to their death that kind of thing
3: was poseidon uh a merman
2: uh, well he was a god but
3: uh yeah, i'm trying to remember how he was depicted well they're
2: the tr- well he, you see depictions of him where he is um uh, where he has mermaid esque uh, qualities, yeah. but then there are also the the Tritons of Greek myth, okay. which were uh, which were offspring of gods, and they had uh, they had lower portions that were, uh, they, were they were essentially mermen. Um, there were the blue there were the blue men of Minch, which were a uh, humanoid uh, uh, blue skinned creatures that lived uh, supposedly lived in deep water, water uh, caves uh, near the Isle of Man. Uh, they were ruled by a chief, and uh, the the interesting thing about these guys is that they came after your ship. Um, a clever uh, captain could beat them with a cunning tongue. He could use uh, he could throw out some riddles, get the mer, uh, the merfolk uh, these uh, these men of myth uh, thinking about the about this and mm-hmm. make it out with them. Uh, there are the Nixies of Scandinavia, Germany, and Switzerland, and these are a freshwater mermaid creature, often gray or gray, green skinned, um, and uh, their bodies, of course, terminate in these fish monstrosities as well. Uh, there are the Marrows of Ireland, and these are. Uh, ter- In these, you see traditional mermaids, but really ugly mermen. They have green teeth, sharp uh, red noses, tiny eyes, green uh, hair, webbed fingers. But they're also shapeshifters who depend on a magical Ah. red cap. And they're they're basically good natured. And they'll like to they'll wander out and using their shapeshifting abilities, they may uh, marry humans
3: with a magical red cap.
2: Yeah. Okay. There's the Welsh Morgan, which was a a, a nursery boogie. it was, uh, you know, existed solely to scare children into good behavior. I, I mean, just I, heard
3: Welsh Corgi. That's all I heard. Welsh,
2: Cor- <laughs> Welsh Corgi. A Welsh nursery boogie uh, who would uh, abduct bad children. Uh-huh. Uh, there were the halfway people. Uh, these are pretty interesting. These, This was a myth of the uh, Mi'kmaq people of eastern Canada. And these Mermen people sang like a lot of Because uh, with mermaid traditions, you see a lot of the siren in the mermaids. Mm-hmm. You know, they're these creatures that sing beautiful songs and they lure uh, sailors to their doom. Or they're like the Mermen and they're, they're summoning horrible storms. They're, right. they're gods or demigods of the ocean. Well, the, uh, the halfway people of the, of Mi'kmaq folklore, uh, they sang, but, that, but not to lure humans to their death. They did to warn local fishermen of brewing storms. It was only if you managed to uh, antagonize them that they would actually summon storms against you. And then, as I mentioned in our episode on milk, uh, there are a number of different uh, myths where you see uh, mermaids as uh, herdsmen or herdswomen for uh, aquatic cattle beasts that uh, may or may not be whales. Um, there, there are various sort of hag-like creatures. There's, uh, there's, for instance, uh, Margiger <laughs> a mermaid in the folk traditions of the people of Greenland that has an ugly flat face and evil eyes. Um, There's a creature called uh, Nakanito uh, in uh, Finland, and this was a mermaid creature with uh, breasts so large that she could throw them over her shoulder.
3: Sure, sure. How
2: did that? This is uh, really cool. In uh, Japan, uh, their um, traditional mermaid was called uh, the Ninyo, and basically they were enormous fish with only the head of a beautiful woman. And they were uh, benevolent, protective creatures that would warn uh, humans of uh, pending misfortunes, both at sea and on land. Uh, and then uh, one final one to mention here, uh, because I imagine everyone's seen this one a lot uh, when you go to Starbucks. There's oh, right. uh, there's uh, there's a uh, melusine or melusina, uh, which is a medieval French mer monster, daughter of a fairy and a mortal king. Uh, in the older depictions you'd see her dressed in medieval finery above the waist but then she also has the wings of a dragon and this double serpentine fishtail below the waist and uh, you see uh, this creature showing up in a lot of coat coat of arms but also most notably uh, at Starbucks.
3: You know I actually have a merman at home yeah, I—I kid you not. Well, I mean, not a, obviously a real merman.
2: Yeah,
3: uh, but it is because
2: not your husband. Because I saw him walking on two legs. Yeah, but you see
3: him wincing. Like wincing daggers, daggers were in his <laughs> yeah. his legs, uh, or in his feet. Um, yeah, actually, I've got an old carny ride, or, or it was a—it's um, a carved wood merman. It's about five feet long, and it's got a little cutout in the center where kids can get in and, and ride but it's obviously they are all linked together but i have just one. Oh, cool and it is terrifying <laughs> and it has huge glass eyes someone put glass eyes in it and my daughter hates it but it hangs above uh, her bed exactly right <laughs> <laughs> it was her cradle first no, oh. i'm kidding um, um but yeah i mean it, it we definitely have had a relationship with this idea of of mermaids and um you know it's pervaded our culture and i think that that uh, that that bit of um Wood sculpture I have is from like the 1920s or something.
2: Ah, so like sort of Fiji mermaid days. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, I I sent you a picture earlier. Um, just real quick on modern uh, mer- mermaids as we see them in films. Um, in the, the Rob Zombie horror movie uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, you get to see a pre-Dwight Schrute Rain Wilson um, <laughs> sewn to a fish as a as a a Fiji mermaid. It's pretty. It's
4: uh, awful. It's.
2: <laughs>
3: It made me kind of scream inside. But, uh, yeah, I mean, these Fiji mermaids were something that were were often uh, pro-offered by uh, hucksters, right, right around yeah. the turn of the you century. you get a fish,
2: you get a m- monkey, you mm-hmm. sew them together, uh, you know, corpses. Uh, you have it kind of preserved, they either, you know, dried out or m- yeah. maybe, you, I guess you could also, most of them you see dried out and kind of mounted and stuffed, but I guess you could also have put them in formaldehyde if you wanted to. Uh, and then you show, hey, here's the actual proof that mermaids exist, and people would... You know, pay a nickel for it.
3: Right. And, you know, back in the day when you didn't necessarily have a lot of evidence um, that was like, oh, gosh, yeah, that that uh, that could be a mermaid.
2: All right. So that was an older sort of scientific, if you will, uh, uh, proof that mermaids did exist or could exist because here is this body. Uh, You examine it. You realize it doesn't really hold up. Uh, Today we have a, a similar situation with the aquatic ape. We should probably take a quick break. But when we come back, we will perform a necropsy on the idea of the Aquatic Gate. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples.
0: Rob, as the, uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like?
2: All right, we're back. So, uh, so you can imagine us here in our, our podcast studio and, and uh, stretched out before us on the table is the aquatic gate. Uh, and we are going to cut this apart, look at it, feel it, uh, and see which parts uh, feel truthful, which parts feel uh, made up, which parts feel like a fish, which parts feel like a human.
3: Let's time travel okay. first. Okay. A million years ago.
2: Million years. Okay. The
3: Earth is, uh, you know, there's earthquakes. There's all sorts of crazy things going on. There's coastal flooding. Okay, and this, so it's kind of like our
2: future. Uh, <laughs> it's much like our past,
3: right? Uh, and so the idea, this this uh, aquatic ape idea, is that hominon hominins split Haman? hominon hominin, hominins split off from terrestrial apes millions of years ago and because of this this coastal flooding and they retreated into the water evolving into aquatic creatures somewhat related to humans
2: so it's kind of like it's kind of like in the morning you you wake up you get out of bed you realize you're too tired you don't really like the the waking world so you creep back into bed for a little bit it's it's similar uh, uh, mammals have, uh, have have risen out of the ocean they've they've, they've come onto the land and then for whatever reason, they decide, ah, this is not working out. I'm going to actually go back in the water now. Which is something you see with uh, with whales and dolphins. So taking that argument and uh, and saying, hey, maybe it happened with with apes as well.
3: Taking the argument and then even saying, uh, like, oh, okay, well, what about our uh, lack of body hair? Yeah. We think that we can, you know, proponents of this idea and our
2: posture. The idea is posture. that we, we grew body hair. We evolved into hairy creatures when we initially... Came out of the the uh, the oceans of the the primordial Earth, and then uh, when we returned, we lost that hair because it was unnecessary. Uh, and then we can point to examples like a hippo or a dolphin and say, "Look, there you go—an aquatic mammal doesn't have hair, and that is why we don't have hair because we used to be mer creatures."
3: Well, and but uh, people would say, some people would say that doesn't really add up, and you're kind of cherry picking yeah. details.
2: Yeah, you're, you're from kind of evolution. picking and choosing with your with your uh, aquatic mammals too, because. Otters are pretty hairy. Beavers are pretty hairy. I mean, these right. are all aquatic mammals that have kept uh, a very, you know, thick coat of hair. Right.
3: And then you have the problem of, of evolution itself in terms of like, well, how could this occur in this time period? Because if it took whales from from going to terrestrial to aquatic beings ten million years, mm-hmm. how could it be that you know in a million years that this could happen with with apes, aquatic apes? So that that's obviously one of the big questions that comes up, um, as well as is, is the phylogeny, that this tree of life concept of organisms um, that are, are detailed by us, and they are culled from evidence from morphological, biochemical, and gene sequence data, right? Yeah. So this aquatic ape actually would exist outside of this organization. And this organization, this phylogeny, is really the bedrock, uh, the central idea of evolution. Yeah. So that's... Spotty too.
2: Yeah, and another some of the other um, uh, things uh, that are thrown out there as, as proof of the aquatic ape theory are, are pretty suspect as well. Like the idea that oh well look look at the human body it's so uh, it's so streamlined. Clearly it was made to swim. Well, not so much because you look at at truly aquatic mammals and they tend to have more of a torpedo shape.
3: Well, and it's actually pretty hard for us to swim in yeah. general, yeah. right? Like you yeah, because cal- that's
2: another people say oh we're such great swimmers and we're not really great no. swimmers. Mm-mm. I mean, Michael Phelps, maybe. Yeah. But but he make, is Michael a Phelps aside. Everyone else is kind of uh, kind of uh, lacking.
3: Okay, so we've talked about aquatic apes. Let's talk about the mermaid problem.
2: The mermaid problem, like as in, we have a mermaid problem, and we need to put out some traps. To catch some mermaids.
3: Yeah, some combat little huge traps, right, that you just put behind your kitchen counter. Or your bathtub, really, because that's where they're going to show up. Throw
2: some lobsters and some uh, shells in there and a little bit of gold, and they'll be attracted to that.
3: You know, now the mermaid problem is this idea is that if they really existed, then what about their reproductive abilities? Yes. Um, And this is also...
2: It's kind of like what we got into with the centaur. Yeah, uh, the- where's
3: it going to go? How's it going to work?
2: Yeah, because human, human and equine uh, biology is rather, di- rather different, and you if you try to merge the two, it's problematic. Even more so when you're trying to combine a human and a fish.
3: Yeah, and um, here's the thing too: if you've got the torso of a human and the trunk of the fish tail, then you've got all sorts of logistical nightmare problems going on here because. Apparently, if you've got the breast, then there's going to be some sort of lactation going on, right? Right. And then if you've got uh, a navel, then that suggests that there's going to be some sort of umbilical cord uh, tied to any sort of progeny. Right. So then you look at the tail itself and you say, ah, where where would all the stuff go? Where would all the the genitalia go? Right. And you can look to something like a dolphin, for instance, and you can say that there could be a genitalia slit, much like there is with a dolphin. But that still doesn't all sort of line up with how would, um, with the, the torso of a human and this idea of umbilical cord, how would all this work together?
2: Right. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to, to try and form a, like a full theory of mermaid anatomy.
3: Yeah, and yet, be, because people have been so entranced by this idea of merma- mermaids, especially lately, mm-hmm. um, Noah has actually put up a special <laughs> fact sheet about mermaids, and they went to, to the lengths to say, no mermaids have ever been found.
4: Oh, wow.
2: Well, just, glad, just to let they, people know. They let everyone know about that. I mean, certainly uh, throughout history, too, humans have, it, I mean, part of it has been this sort of dream of, of what would it be like if there were people in the in the ocean, and what would it be like if I could meet a beautiful woman? Uh, out here in the sea, but then the other the other parts that we've we've often seen other creatures from a distance. We've seen seals or sea lions or manatees, and uh, and we've fooled ourselves uh, into thinking that we saw something that was uh, half man and half fish.
3: Right, and here's the other problem uh, with this: if if mermaids are are going to be uh, this new species, this this idea that they would be a new species. And um, they would be connected to this bloop sound that we talked about, Mm -hmm. and we'll get more into that. Um, In order to produce that bloop song sound, they would have to be at least 110 feet long, longer than any other known organism. So that you would think that you'd be able to spot that pretty easily, right? Um, which uh, gets into this whole bloop idea in the first place. We talked about this before in our Underwater Sounds podcast, but uh, just to bring it up again, the bloop sound was actually recorded in 1997 it originated from a point about 1,500 miles west of the southern Chilean coast, and it was powerful enough to be picked up on sensors located up to 3,000 miles away. Now, there are a bunch of different sounds that, um, that NOAA has picked up and has cataloged, but this is and remains an unidentified sound. And um, there is this idea that the sound profile sounds uh, animalistic, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we're not quite sure, you know, again, there's, there's the morphology problem. If this emanated from an animal, it's got to be huge, a huge animal that would be easily spotted.
2: Right. And would have to have, it would have to fit into the ecosystem itself. Um, which is, which is another thing you get into when you're, we're talking about any cryptozoological creature, be it a, a mermaid or Bigfoot, um, you know, where, where, how is, how would this fit into a given ecosystem? Where, where is its, uh, its particular niche in the system at large? And, uh, and, and often that that's where you see a lot of big holes. We'd be like, well, we would, we would have observed it because there would be X number of them. We would, uh, you know, we would, we would see evidence of their feeding. Today's
0: episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride.
4: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: Yeah, and so, you know, the, the Animal Planet's uh, what-if scenario of, of mermaids is definitely entertaining. Yeah, I mean, but you can kind of see how when you start to to look at some of those details in right. earnest. Um, I mean, and everybody knows that they're not for real anyway, but you can see how the, the sort of organism probably would
2: never exist. Yeah, but I, I love the idea of just getting people talking about it, you know, like just... You know get, get people drawn in to, to view a show about mermaids and then uh, you know then let's discuss the science of it let's uh, I mean it's it's good food for thought all
3: right you know I'm gonna be a total downer here too okay okay I'm gonna say too, the other thing that I think that it does in, inadvertently is to throw a little light on this problem of sonar as you say yes. um, you know this has
2: been a concern with uh, with naval testing uh, yes. and just general uh, noise pollution in the oceans.
3: Yeah, and as you say, dolphins, whales, they use echolocation. Um, and just, um, just not too long ago, uh, Earthwatch reported that 3,000 dolphins were found dead along the coast of Peru, and they were killed by deep water sonar, sy- sonar systems using seabed oil, um, Exploration and researchers at the Organization for the Conservation of Aquatic Animals says that they found damage in the dolphin's middle ear bones, which was caused by ship sonar blast. And they, these acoustic booms actually disorient the animals, and they produce hemorrhages. and This is why they they beach themselves. So, actually, uh, the Animal Planet show does go into detail about this in the fictionalized account, um, but I did think it was important to to bring this up. That 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 is actual you know part of the show that that does have um a foundation in reality. Downer.
2: Yeah, yeah, kind of a downer. And plus mermaids don't exist, so there's that too. <laughs> so I'm sorry for for anyone who was listening hoping for for something different. But it would it would have been kind of jerky if we hadn't just come clean on that and said that well, they might have existed because I don't want to build up false hope, especially for those lonely sailors out there who are listening to this podcast.
3: Yeah, plus you don't want to be at a cocktail party and start like dropping mermaid facts, you yeah. know. <laughs>
2: yeah uh, uh, the mermaids are—they are, uh, continue to just be a really fascinating uh, uh, creature, though. At least uh, you know, in the, in the mind, and w- whether you're just thinking about it as, as a folktale idea, or as a possible scientific reality, or as a as just a fodder for uh, for movies. Uh, a couple of other uh, film mermaids that come to mind. Uh, there was a movie called The She Creature uh, years ago. I believe it had Rufus Sewell in it, and uh, and it was uh, like a, a old timey horror. Uh, Story on a boat, and there was like a mysterious mermaid, but she had like a dual nature. So sometimes she looked like, uh, you know, a typical pretty lady uh, on the top half, fish on the lower, mm-hmm. and but then she would also turn into this aquatic uh, monster that kind of looked like a Fiji mermaid. Uh, and then there was a there was another film that came out called uh, Dagon, which loosely based on H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's uh, The Shadow Over Innsmouth and some of his other aquatic. Tails, and uh, this uh, it was this movie was kind of a mixed bag, but it did depict a mermaid with that uh, double tail, the the Starbucks tail oh, that we were talking yeah, about, yeah, which yeah. is kind of neat. So if, if you ever find yourself uh, considering picking up that film, it has some moments that work, and you do get to see a uh, a double-tailed mermaid in it. So there's that.
3: I really wish that Splash would be remade, okay, with Daryl Hannah okay. and uh, Quentin Tarantino would uh, direct it.
2: Oh, so she comes as a back and she horror butt, or yeah. she just oh okay,
3: as a horror film
2: though. Okay, as a horror film. Yes, there, there's a lot of, I mean, because clearly you look at the folktales, There are many of these stories where it's like the mermaid is, the, the mer people are dragging humans down, <laughs> right. and they're you know to some watery hell of drowned sailors. There's there's all sorts of, of horrible stuff with the mermaid myth. It seems like you would see more horror tales involving them rather than just straight up uh, uh, fantasy. That.
3: Well, maybe we will. But then again, That's you, the said, hope.
2: you said that in the Christi- Hans Christian Anderson, there was more more horror than we actually there's always see.
3: horror and gore. Yes, yes.
2: So there you go, mermaids. Uh, you can check out the show on Animal Planet, and you can also write into us and let let us know what you think about mermaids. Do you have particular thoughts about mermaids in folk tales, mermaids in legend and myth, uh, mermaids at the cinema? I don't know mermaids in video games. Where wherever mermaids gather. Mermaids
3: in space.
2: Mermaids in space. I'm not sure how that would work, but I'm I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, uh, you know, there's actually um, I forgot to mention the 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 mer creature that is uh, half pope. I should have uh...
3: half pope yeah, as yeah. in like the pontiff.
2: Yeah, as is in the pond. I'll have to throw him on the blog post because he's pretty cool. But, uh, but yeah, they're, they're just countless cool mermaids from history. Um, so let us know what you think about that. Let us know what you think about this aqua- aquatic ape uh, theory slash hypothesis. If you have any thoughts on that, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, where we are stuffed to blow your mind. And you can also find us on Twitter, where we go under the handle Blow the Mind.
3: And you can always drop us a line at Blow the Mind at house dot com.
2: What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional
4: terms, visit Visible.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
3: This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen.